Welcome to the Freelance Indexer Exchange. I'm Michelle Giuliano, and I'd like to start a conversation with you about indexing. I sometimes find the business of freelancing lonely and isolating. How about you? Do you ever wonder whether it has to be this way? So let's talk about the hard stuff, because we can do better together. Let's get started with the year-end review part two, or how to rethink your freelance business. This is episode four of the Freelance Indexer Exchange, and I'm going to lead you on a deep dive into the end of the year review for 2022. In part one, I talked about why to do review and how to get ready. So we're going to dive into the type of questions you need to ask yourself to help you rethink how you work and how you run your business. It's not too late to look at last year's successes and failures to get an idea of how to steer your business in 2023. There are many different ways to do this, and hopefully you'll find this podcast to be a springboard for doing your own year-end review. So let's recap what I went over in episode three. I detailed why you should want to do a year-end review along with the benefits of taking the time to do so. I explained that you should make room in your schedule for the review. You should make room in your work schedule, that is, not your personal schedule. This is a work-related matter and it should be done during business time. Mark it on your calendar along with where you want this to take place. If you haven't gathered your data, you need to schedule this in so that you have time to gather your data. So what kind of data do you need? For me, I create a spreadsheet with all the pertinent data from 2022. My online accounting software and invoice software makes it really easy to create this spreadsheet because I just export my invoice data. My invoice data includes not only the amount I made and the clients I had, but nuances like calculated hourly rate and whether the clients have booked me for projects in 2023 already. If you need to understand the kind of data that I included in my spreadsheet, please feel free to go back to episode three. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Finally, figure out what materials you need to make this happen. For me, I only need my laptop and pen and paper, but if you love office supplies, it can be fun to work with. Index cards, post-it notes, a flip pad easel of paper. This is a big event, so make it fun. I like to go over my questions a few days before my year-end review so they can be marinating in my mind. And then I answer them when I hold my year-end review by jotting down a few notes or writing pages of notes. Some people prefer to type over handwriting the notes. You can also record your thoughts and upload them to a transcription app so you don't have to write or type. You just speak. Remember, this is your business. You are the boss. You call the shops. You can do your business year-end review in a way that makes sense to you, but I really encourage you to do one. You might be surprised by the results and the impact on your business. So let's get down to these questions. I'm going to write these questions in the show notes so you don't have to be writing this down while you're listening to the podcast. There are seven questions, and the first one I ask is, what kind of indexing do I love to do? This question can change from year to year. Sometimes it's the kind of indexing that comes easily to me. Sometimes it's a new kind of indexing that I only did one project on, but I realize, oh, this stirs some passion in me. I really want to do more of this. So I write my answers down and then I organize my spreadsheet according to my types of indexing. This can be by subject specialty or it could be by the types of things you index. Some people like to do trade books more than textbooks. Some people like to do scholarly books. And then within scholarly books, they have certain types of projects that they like to do better based on the material. You're going to have to figure out how you like to break this down. Because the spreadsheet is very important to you because it's going to tell you how much this type of indexing pays. 
I like to look at the hourly rate. I really keep good time tracking records. So that makes it very easy for me to calculate my hourly rate. And I do that after each project so that it's automatically exported into my spreadsheet when I gather up my data. You might do things a little differently, but I really do encourage you to look into time tracking if you don't do it already. Next, I look at what percentage of my business is this type of work because I want to know, do I really have to work hard to grow it or is it right where it needs to be? By knowing the rate and the amount of work you do in this particular area that you love, it'll give you a good idea of what will happen to your business if you increase this amount of work. If this if this type of work pays well, you're in a great place to increase this type of work. Problem is, is sometimes what we love to do doesn't always compensate us well. And this is where your spreadsheet can help you remain objective and test out different scenarios. You can take what you're doing and see what happens to your projections if you increase this type of work, which means you might end up decreasing other types of work that pays more. Can your business sustain this? If it can't sustain this, what can you do about that if you want to increase it? Does that mean that you should do more of the really high paying work and decrease a different facet of your business so you can leave time for your passion projects while not having to reduce your projections? The proof will be in your spreadsheet and that'll give you a lot of good answers. You can also think about whether there's a way to be more efficient at this type of indexing. If there's room to be efficient, there might be some project product that you need to buy or some new software that will help you become more productive and efficient in doing this kind of indexing. The year-end review is a really good time to take a look at this carefully. This leads me to question number two. Do I want to take my business in a new direction this year? Is there a portion of your business that appears to be growing? Is that something that you want to continue to allow to grow? Should you increase the amount of time you're spending on it? Do you enjoy it? Does it pay well? If it pays within the range of what you want to make per hour, great. Pursue looking at that service line further. Perhaps though, you want to offer a new type of indexing. Do you know of an area that might help you keep you in the range of what you want to make per hour? Do you know how hard it would be to get that kind of work? You can brainstorm how you can promote this new service or this new type of indexing. This is your opportunity to dream big and figure out some milestones that you will want to look at in the future to make sure that this area that you're growing is actually profitable for you and also that you enjoy it. Again, use your spreadsheet. You have numbers and plugging those numbers into formulas can tell you what will happen if you increase or decrease certain parts of your business. Also, remember that you might have to schedule in some time to market that new niche and that might either mean longer hours or the same number of hours and making less because marketing doesn't always pay off. Next, consider your wish list of resources. Is there anything that you want to buy or do this year that's gonna cost an investment in money? For example, do you wanna develop or redesign your website? Do you wanna invest in taking a webinar series or buy new software or computer equipment? When you're looking at this wish list of resources, think about what will make you feel good or enable you to work more efficiently. What will help you inject some fun or pleasure into your business? How about attending a conference or joining a local business group? Remember, time is a resource, so making time to do some of these things can be akin to investing money in software update or an e-course. Dream big and then scale down as you see how it fits into your projections. I find it useful to prioritize items on my 
wish list. And then I use them as bonus incentives when I meet certain goals. Number four is a pair of opposing questions. They are what worked well this year and what didn't work well. These questions refer to both financial wins and losses as well as personal ones. And you can look at whether certain actions led you closer or further from burnout. Also, when you ask yourself these questions, you should look at the different kinds of things you've been doing in your business, such as the type of software you use. For example, did you change your invoicing software because you thought it would help streamline your admin work? Is that properly reflected in the time that you spent doing admin work this year? Did your hourly rate increase even though you didn't increase your rates? Does that mean you're becoming more efficient? Can you attribute attribute this change specifically to software change or even a small portion of this increase to the change? Does this mean that there's room for improvement if you explore these types of changes further? Also, did you try a new type of indexing this year, such as embedded indexing? Was that a success or are you unsure? You can look at your hourly rate to see how that changed when you did more of these projects. Did you see a steady increase or has it become flatlined? Is that flatlined area, that plateau, does that meet your ideal hourly rate? Also, ask yourself, did you enjoy this new line of work? Or were you frustrated by the nuances that you didn't anticipate? Is it worth continuing this type of work to get close to mastery? Or have you satisfied your curiosity and now you know this type of work isn't one that you'd want to pursue? For example, I've always tried to convince myself that scholarly indexing is the way to go. It seems like it gets a higher rate per page and so many people do it and there's a lot of work out there for it. But I'm not particularly good at it. I take a long time to do it. It takes me a long time to edit it. And my hourly rate plummets when I do scholarly work. So unless there's a project that I feel very passionate about, I usually turn down scholarly work. Let's ask these two questions about your business practices. What worked well? What doesn't? For example, can you send out an invoice in under a minute? I can because I use an online invoicing software program. It's well worth the amount of money that I spend every year on it because of the time savings. How about your onboarding process? Is it quick and easy? Or do you need to develop some templates for it? How quickly can you turn around an estimate? I used to use email to send out estimates, and now I use my invoicing software. I find it so easy and professional to send out an estimate through my invoicing software, and clients seem to really like it. I started getting more yeses when I shifted to using this type of estimate rather than sending out everything in an email. I think it was easier for the clients to digest because it was in a familiar form, an invoice, and it looks more professional. Also, look at your schedule. How do you manage your schedule and does it work well for you? Should you be thinking about trying a new system? Maybe you should take some time during your year-end review to look at other options, or better yet, pencil some time in over the next week or two to follow up on some ideas that you've come up with for your schedule. Find out what works for you and what doesn't, and where you can make some tweaks. I also like to evaluate my client list. So maybe this really, number five, really isn't a question. It's more of a statement. Evaluate my client list. I don't really have a terribly long list of clients, so it's easy to remember which ones I like working with and which ones are more difficult. Plus, I have a spot on my internal notes that for each invoice that gets put into my spreadsheet, and that lets me easily track what projects I liked and what clients I find easy to work for, so I don't have to rely on my memory, even though I have a short list of clients. You can ask yourself questions. Why did you especially working, enjoy working with some and not others? This could be t- due to the type of workflow or the type of work. 
For example, I don't like getting jobs by the chapter. I hate it when books come in by the chapter. But with some clients, that's the way it works. I usually give priority to clients who don't send me books by chapters because I like to look at the book all at once. So if I have to search for a particular name or skim the book for a topic at the beginning of the indexing process, I can. But there are some clients that I like to work with so much I'll overlook the fact that they send me the books by the chapter. Here are some other reasons I have for preferring certain clients over others. While I talk about this, think about why you prefer some clients over others, and it'll help you decide what kind of direction you want to take your business in and whether you should keep some clients or let go of them. I love clients that pay on time. I have so many clients that pay me within a week of being invoiced, and some of them even do that by direct deposit. How cool is that? I also like a client who keeps to their schedule, but when it slips, they'll push out a deadline, even if they're only late by a couple days. That's a great client in my book. So even a subject matter, even if the subject matter that they give me for work is dry, I still relish working with them. I have some clients who send me a list of books that they're going to want me to work on in the coming year with tentative dates that usually only change by a week or two. I love this. This is sort of like having an anchor client. I like knowing what's coming up and how I can fill in around those projects. It also gives me a really good baseline for my year. I also like repeat clients. How many repeat clients do you have? Repeat clients are great because you don't have to market yourself as much. This means often working with a press because producing a book is a huge effort for an author. So even if an author is a repeat client, there's usually a long stretch between jobs with them. So this leads to the next question. If you don't have repeat clients, why is that? Is it because you work primarily with self-publishing authors and self-publishing authors don't typically refer a lot of people And they themselves won't be publishing a book in the near future, as I already mentioned. And if you're dealing with a lot of individual authors, do you have enough time to keep coming up with the fact that they aren't regular clients and you need to constantly be marketing? Or do you have a strong referral network? So even though you work with individual authors, they have a network within them, like they're academic authors, so they refer a lot of people to you. Because if you're always marketing to get new authors, It's very time intensive. And if you are doing that and you enjoy working with these individual authors, it might be worth it to you to come up with easier ways to market or ways to set your marketing program on autopilot. And then I'd like to ask you, do your rates reflect the effort, extra effort you have to put into marketing? That's an important thing to consider. Now, something that I've done in the past when I find that I'm working with quite a few individual authors is I consider approaching the publisher who works with these authors. For example, I typically have self-publishing authors when I work with individual authors. And so I some I get in touch with the publisher and editor and I find out how that publisher works. For example, do they offer a list of authors uh, to authors for indexers to work with? If they don't, why don't you suggest to them to start one? I've done that and I've gotten a number of jobs from them, probably because I'm the only indexer who is on their list. But I like working with them and I like the kind of work they produce. So it was very worthwhile for me to to make the extra effort to reach out to the editor in that manner. Make sure your customer service is top notch because it's paramount when setting up these types of relationships. And now let's talk about short books. 
Do you have some clients who send you really short books? To me, a short book is something under 150 pages. And sometimes indexing those kind of books isn't very profitable because the admin time might be the same as for a longer book, so I actually make less per hour. But they can be a great thing to squeeze into tight schedules, so don't always automatically set a boundary and say, I'm not going to work with any books that are under this number of pages. But it's a good thing to have in mind and consider before taking those types of jobs. Unless you understand how long it takes you to set up admin for books, you won't be able to know whether this is a good idea or a bad idea for you. So are you getting an idea of how to look at clients now, how to evaluate your client list? As always, if you have questions, feel free to use the index or exchange box. I can answer them in future episodes. There's a link in the show notes. I also like to look at my bottom line. Of course, that's a big part of the year-end review. But this is where I try to bring in my personal life must-haves into alignment with my work life. So the question I ask is, do I want to scale back my business this year? Or do I want to grow my business this year? You might need to tweak these questions a bit and ask, do I need to scale back my business or do I need to grow my business this year? Needs and wants are two different things and identifying whether you have a, have a need to scale back or ramp up your business is an important distinction from wanting to. For example, you might have some financial obligations in your life coming up this year and you might need to stretch to meet them. For example, your partner might have taken a pay cut or switched jobs or their income is more uncertain this year. Do you have to step it up? You need to know if you have to step it up because that changes your approach to your business and how you do this year-end review. This is very different than if you are growing your business because you have more room in your schedule for more work. It's not as dire that you fill those spaces. And think about whether you're in a different season of your life than you have in the past. Perhaps you need to scale back to care for a loved one or take care of other issues in your life. In fact, you might not even realize you need to scale back or grow until you're in the middle of this review. And that's one of the values of doing a review. If you are deliberate with your approach, this year-end review might shed some light on how to do this in a systematic, thoughtful way, rather than just taking things as they come. By not making decisions from a position of feeling concerned or from fear, you might be able to come up with some novel, workable solutions. So let's get to this last question, number seven. Do you notice a seasonality in your work schedule? Is there a time of year when you're always busy or times when you're always slow? Recognizing the seasonality of your freelance business can save you from panic and slow periods and potential burnouts in the busy ones. Let me explain. If you make note of your slow periods, you're not gonna panic when you come to a predictable slow period. And you might even find that that's a good time to schedule a quarterly review because now you have the time to do it so you can delve into these questions all over again. It also might be a good time to plan vacation so you're not turning down work during a busy time to go on vacation. And this leads me to ask, can you make room for days off or longer vacations? Utilizing your slow periods to their fullest might enable you to squeak in some more time off. Also, Can you plan for some vacation days for that slow period after a predictably busy period to prevent burnout? Knowing that you have time off scheduled after a very busy period can help you power through those busy times. So plan better for those slow times. You can use it for vacation time or 
Is there another niche you can add to your subject specialties or materials that you index to be a natural shoe-in to fill these slow periods? Let me give you an example from my own business. I have a client that I do a yearly project for that I'm not thrilled about. I really don't like the subject matter, but they do fill in a slow time for me very nicely, and they've done this consistently every year for the past five years. If I was really busy during the period when they need to have this work done, I might pass on the book. But this book that I do during a slow period makes up for more than half my projection for that month. So it's kind of hard to turn down. While the work isn't in my passion realm, it does pay well, and it's work within my wheelhouse. It meets two of my three requirements for taking on work, price and portfolio. It just doesn't meet the passion. But there is another client that I did take off my list who was a nice client and paid on time and well, but I really dreaded the work. And there was a lot of angst that accompanied that project every year because it was done in a very different format than I'm used to working. And even though the hourly rate was good, I just never felt great about doing it. So each year, I revisit projects like this to make sure they're still a good fit for me. They might not be a perfect fit, but they might meet some of the requirements I have because they fill in a slow period, they pay well, but it's really important to revisit this every year to make sure that you wanna keep doing those projects. See, if I make a decision in my year-end review to not take on a repeat, project the following year. I'm making that decision based on data and not just on an emotional decision when they inquire if I fit it, if I can fit it in again. For example, if I'm experiencing a slow period when they come to ask me about that project, I might feel obligated to take it to fill that space. But if I have an answer in their client files for how I would approach declining the project, it makes it so easy to copy and paste that into my email and send it off without even having to think about it because the decision has already been made. So I hope you're seeing the underlying pattern in this long list of questions that I have for my year-end review. In the year-end review, I'm asking you to think about the strengths and weaknesses in your skill set, your business practices and processes, and your client roster. At the same time, you want to look for opportunities for growth and for pitfalls and identify preemptively situations that can lead to burnout. Remember, the purpose of this review is to rethink your business in different situations. And you might realize that things are really going well and there's not one thing you need to change. And that's terrific. You don't have to change anything. But more than likely, you're gonna find ways to tweak your business to make it stronger and make yourself happier in the long run. Now that you have the answers to these questions laid out in front of you, it's time to look at what kind of new goals you can set for your business. And when you have those goals, you can ask yourself, how can you be strategic about them? Are these goals that you're going to make sustainable? Can you break them down into smaller goals, such as monthly or quarterly goals, so they can be reassessed on a regular basis? Maybe you need help formulating goals based on your answers or implementing practices to attain those goals. Do you need help setting boundaries in other areas so you can work on these goals? You might want to reach out to a colleague or a friend for help. You might also want to consider coaching. And while you have your finances and your spreadsheets out, you can assess whether you can afford coaching. Remember, it's okay to ask for help. 
Being a freelancer doesn't mean that you have to run your business in isolation. Even though your business consists just of you, you have an industry full of colleagues who have been exactly where you are right now. Reach out for help if you need it. You might have started listening to this episode expecting me to provide you with a formula to plug into your spreadsheet to help you analyze the health status of your business. Instead, I have offered a string of questions because just as important as evaluating the year-end numbers from last year is to evaluate how you feel about your projects and your business. Merging everything together can help you find a way forward. Your year-end review is a time to be open and curious about possibilities, but also a time to rethink your aspirations. I hope you found this episode helpful. I'd love to hear about your year-end review. Feel free to connect with me through the Indexer exchange box. And now it's time for the See Also segment. I alluded earlier to seasonality in indexing. I have busier periods and slower periods, and I also have periods where I need to work less to accommodate events in my life. To compound this further, I live in New England, where we have four distinctive seasons, five if you count mud season, and I share my life with animals. I acutely feel the shift in seasons. Longer days mean my barn chores are set further apart. My mornings right now also include checking on seedlings that I started in the past few weeks, and more will be planted soon. So my work schedule needs to shift along with it. I used to feel discombobulated with the shift in seasons because I never felt ready for them, and all of a sudden I'm doing all these new things that I can't quite wrap my mind around because I'm doing more things in the morning. I've started being preemptive about this and I'm more intentional about anticipating these shifts and making changes in my work schedule. I'd love to hear about how your work shifts with the season or with your life cycles. For example, is your work schedule tied to the academic calendar or your partner's job? Maybe you move to a different location in the summer and the winter. I'd love to hear how you handle those changes. I'd like to include them on future episodes of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Feel free to drop a comment or suggestion in the exchange box. A link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freelance Indexer Exchange. Until next Monday, be well and do well. And happy indexing.